Hi, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth coming at you from my closet in North Carolina. Hey, this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. You think people get tired of us? Hey, welcome back to Crimes. We say it the same way every time. I know. I was thinking that too because on your episodes and when I'm the second person, I'm always like in St. Louis or something like like the way I like do my intonation is different. Yo, yo, yeah. in the house. But isn't that how most people start their podcast? Like they start it the same way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Whatever. I don't listen to any podcasts. Liar. <laughs> okay, this is yeah. our last serial killer mm-hmm. of September. I can't believe it's our last one, actually. I know. Although glad. this month has been seven years long yes. <laughs> for various reasons, but this is truly one of them. Yeah. Never have I ever had a darker job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Job. Can we call it a job? Are we getting paid? Hobby. Hobby. Yeah. Hobby? It's our hobby. A hobby. It's a dark, dark and twisted hobby. It is. That, we that, love. that ends up infiltrating our entire lives because I have a story for you. <laughs> Ooh, give me. Oh, so funny. So our youngest um, tends to like, um, like hide stuff under his bed. Like, I mean, he stores some of his toys under his bed, but he tends to hide some like garbage sometimes, I think, under there that he just doesn't want us to know about or whatever. And then you randomly go through and you find it. Well, Emery, my husband, walked in to his room and just, you know, kind of it had a smell to it. And he was like, I wonder what the heck's going on. And he's just like walking around his room. So he's trying to figure out what's happening. Well, he finds all like a pile of junk under his bed, literally just garbage. <laughs> and so we went on a walk today and he, he had him like show it to me. He kept it all in a pile in his room and he was like, go to show your mother what I pulled out from under your bed <laughs> <laughs> and made him clean it all up. But anyway, we, Emery and I walk every night and we were walking and he's like, man, I just can't believe that kid. He just does whatever he wants to do. And he's like, when I saw all that under there, he's like, I was like, it was like pulling dead bodies from under out from underneath Gacy's house. Like it just kept coming. <laughs> it <just> kept finding. <laughs> You are equating <laughs> pulling trash out from our child's oh. bed. Body. There's a listener for you. <laughs> that makes me happy. Yeah. No, I know. It was hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. Still can't stop laughing over it. Shout out to one of the world's greatest husbands. <laughs> and poor Gacy's victim. My I gosh. Know. You were not trash. You were not. I'm not equating you to trash. No, but they just keep coming and coming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they did feel like that, those poor cops. Yeah. So, anyway. Just like Emery. Yeah. (laughs) Emery knows (laughs) what exactly they're feeling. Stinky stuff (laughs) that he's hiding under here illegally. Yes. Illegal. (laughs) Anyway. You got something for me today? Do you have some fun? I have a serial killer for you. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> yes. And I have to tell you, I at random found this serial killer. And he is a Charlotte, North Carolina serial killer. 
Oh man, home homegrown. Right, which is so Charlotte is two and a half hours away from where I live. And I had never heard of him. Mm. And he is real pistol. Mm. Well, I can't wait to hear about him. His name is Henry Lewis Wallace. Oh, well, Henry Lewis Wallace. Henry Lewis Wallace. Okay. Henry. Bad Henry. That's what we're going to call him. We're going to call him Bad Henry. Henry is an American serial killer and rapist Mm. who has been convicted of killing nine women, all in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And he is also known as the Taco Bell Strangler. Taco Bell, eh? Taco Bell is getting rid of Mexican pizza. Did you know that? <laughs> I think I saw somebody post online about that. I have never eaten a Mexican pizza at Taco Me Bell. So either. I don't know. Yeah. Me either. I don't know what that would be like, but I feel like we should. We might have to just because it's never going to exist. I know. Again. I wonder why. But, yeah, I don't know. And if it was so good, if people love it so much, why are they getting rid of it? I was just thinking it can't be that great, but, you know, Mm. okay, you do what you need to, Taco Bell. They're trying to get their publicity, I guess, Mm. when really they've got a strangler they could use. I know, you're giving them publicity right now. That's right. I should get a free Mexican pizza. So something else that I just have to mention with this guy, like all of our other serial killers that we have done this month, he confesses to every single murder. (laughs) Which is why we know all of the information that we do. I mean, on thank goodness that these guys do do that because I do feel like that they are brought to justice because they cannot keep their daggone mouth shut. Mm-hmm. But for these, like, it's just so crazy that they do that. Like, mm-hmm. they, they cannot help themselves. They just have to be famous for their grossness. Yeah. It's I feel like if somebody else had... Um, taken credit for one of their crimes, most of them probably would have come forward before they did because they'd be like, well, hold up. Nope, I did that. That's and I've got to true. be known for that. Hmm. If we were delving into more serial killers, we could totally investigate that. Mm-hmm. But we're going to let you guys do that and let us know. Which yeah, let us know. <laughs> we're all done after this. Okay. So Henry Lewis Wallace, bad Henry, was born November 4th, 1965 in the small town of Barnwell, South Carolina. Super small. It's near nothing. His mother, Lottie Mae Wallace, was a textile worker at a factory, a textile factory in their small town. She was a really, really hardworking woman. And his father was actually a married school teacher. So he was married to someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. And Lottie and him had a relationship and she got pregnant and he like abandoned her while Mm. she was pregnant. So he never knew his father ever, but I mean, he lived right there in that small town. He just, his mom never told him who he was. So he lived with his mom and his older sister, his older sister was three years older than he was and his grandmother, his mom's mother. And They had very, very limited means. His mom, who worked at the textile factory, was their only source of income. So they, he grew up very poor, no plumbing, no electricity. And he was like, given his sister's hand-me-downs. 
So we would have mm-hmm. to wear like girls' clothes and, you know, just. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He just grew up very poor. And his grandmother and his mom did not get along. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of turmoil in the house. And his mom was very, very strict. She was a harsh disciplinarian, like we always hear. But I don't know that she was necessarily abusive. She definitely, like this one story that I heard, not story, but like um, just report of his childhood is that his mom would, he would get in trouble for something and his mom would be so tired or like his sister would get in trouble for something and she would be so exhausted that she would make them punish each other. (laughs) So like, I don't know like how valid that is, but it was just an interesting little fact of like, would they even do it though? I mean, I feel like if I told my kids to punish each other, they'd be like, "Mm, (laughs) yes, apparently they did. If that's true, apparently Mm -hmm. they did. That is like next level tired. First of all, right. I mean like, wow, that's a hardworking lady right there. But anyway, so she basically was like, Hey kids beat the crap out of each other because you know, you talked in school. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So it's also reported in one place that his father actually, when he was in the sixth grade, his a dad or a man claiming to be his dad called him and said that he wanted to meet him and that he was going to come and see him. And Henry was so excited about this and had always wanted to meet his dad and waited and would like stay home from school to wait on him for days and days. And he just Mm. never came. And that this was a very pivotal moment for him in his life where he really truly felt like abandoned by his dad. Mm -hmm. That he was just like nobody's son. So, but he went to Barnwell high school and he was not very academic So studies were definitely not a priority for him, but he was really well-liked. He had a lot of friends. He was on the student council at his high school, and his mom wouldn't let him play football. I don't know why, but he – so instead of – since he wasn't allowed to play football, he became a cheerleader Mm -hmm. for the football team, like one of the male cheerleaders. I know. They're so strong. So, like, he was a normal dude in high school. He – got along with other people. He was well-liked. He was involved in things. He graduated in 1983, and he became a DJ for a local radio station. Super cool. Mm, Yeah. This is in the early 80s. Like, that is awesome. Right. And he went to South Carolina State College. He went there for one semester, and then he left, and he went to a technical college for one other semester. There's no record of him attending any other college or schools or anything after that. I don't know why he left. It's like he just dropped out. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it was financially related or what, but um, that was it for him. And then he was fired from the radio station for stealing CDs. Oh, man. Jeez. What a way to get fired. (laughs) Like, Come on, man. (laughs) What a good place to steal CDs from, though. You know, am I right? Um, so in 1985, he actually joined the uh, U.S. Navy Reserves. So he didn't really have any career paths in his you know, future, so he joined the Navy. And he also married a friend of his from high school named Moretta, and she had a daughter from a previous relationship, so he became a stepfather to her mm-hmm. daughter. But he's also in the reserves, the Navy reserves. So he's kind of shipped 
you know, all over. He lives in Washington State. He goes various other places. And not long after he joined the reserves and got married, he started to become involved in drugs. Mm. And his drug of choice was crack cocaine. Oof. Right. And this is the 80s. So, like, it was just the drug. The, the drug of the 80s. Yeah. Okay. So, as he gets more and more involved with this drug, he has to support his habit. So, he begins breaking into homes and businesses. So, he was arrested various times for multiple burglary, breaking and entering, etc. in several states. And he would do this to steal goods and money. He would pawn the goods and buy drugs. Mm. So during this time, his wife divorces him. She no longer wants to be in a relationship with him, so she leaves. And obviously, the Navy Reserve catches wind of his criminal activity. And so this is interesting that he has like a near-perfect record with them. Like, he, they say basically he does what he's supposed to do and he does it well. So they asked him to leave and gave him an honorable discharge. Mm, okay. So he doesn't, there's no, like, black mark on his record as far as that goes. But this also leaves him with no job, no wife, no income, no place to live, and he's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So in early 1992, he moves back in with his mother, Loretta, who or Lottie, I'm sorry, who at this time had relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. Ah. So we're bringing him to the scene of the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> so he moves to Charlotte and he begins working at a series of fast food restaurants like Bojangles and Taco Bell. No KFC? I don't know. Maybe. There was was several. And he was really, really well-liked at all of these places that he worked. And he was actually promoted really quickly in most of the places that he worked. And he became supervisors and managers. However, this is where his serial killer story really begins. Oh, man. So I will get into it right after this quick break. I knew you were going to do that. Go get your Mexican pizza. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, guys. So this brings us to May of 1992. <laughs> Lost my place for a second. Let's get where you were. <laughs> May of 1992. Bad Henry is in Charlotte, and he picks up 32-year-old Sharon Nance in the city of Charlotte. Sharon is a mom. She's an artist. She loves poetry, but was going through some hard times and was involved in some drugs at this time and prostitution. She had was living with her aunt, and she left to go out with her friends and never came home, which was very unlike her. 
So she's reported missing, and a couple weeks later, she's found by a work crew on the side of the road. Oh, no. She had skull fractures and facial trauma. She had been very badly beaten. So there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever, and her case just completely goes cold. This case, there's a lot of victim blaming, I feel like, with her case because they're like, oh, she was a drug addict. She was a prostitute. She, this is Charlotte in the early 90s. I don't know. I just feel like they, there was a lot of like, you know. You know, I don't care what your freaking past was or what you do. Do you deserve that? Like, that, you deserve so justice. It's just okay. It's okay that she's found on the side of the road and let's not look into it. Like, whatever. Right. Well, they do. I mean, they look into it, but like. Right. I don't know. So Henry actually, in his confession later, says that he picked her up for sex. And when she requested payment, he beat her. He just beat her to death and dumped her body. So her case was actually unsolved Mm -hmm. until he confessed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to June 19th, 1992, where a 21-year-old girl by the name of Carolyn Love goes missing. Carolyn worked at Bojangles and Mm. she was roommates with a girl named Sadie. Sadie just didn't hear from her, see her and noticed kind of weird things about their apartment. The sheets on her bed were missing. She didn't go to work. So Sadie and um, Caroline's sister Report her missing, along with Sadie's boyfriend, Henry Wallace. Oh, they were dating? Sadie and Henry are dating. And he goes to the police station with Sadie and Caroline's sister to report her missing. Hmm. She's never seen again. They never find her body until Henry is arrested and confesses to her murder. And I'm assuming you're going to get to at what point he confesses to these murders. <laughs> I'll get to <laughs> like it. How yeah. long after? <laughs> so he, yes, that's way later. But when right. he gets arrested is when he confesses to all of these murders. So he later says that he made a copy of the house key, the apartment key from his girlfriend's set. He came, when it snuck into the apartment, hid in the bathroom until she came home, came out, surprised her. He choked her, raped her, strangled her, and then dumped her body in a wooded area. Oh, my gosh. So they never find her remains. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what was she found? Until he confesses. Oh. Mm. Once he confesses to her murder, he leads the investigators to her body. But can you imagine, like, her sister, right, who goes – Henry goes with her. Mm-hmm. To the police station. He's helping her look. Yeah. For her sister. And this whole entire time is the one who kills her. That takes Knows one, exactly where she one is. One sick, twisted mind to just like one go through all those motions. bad Henry. Mm. Okay. So then on February 19th, 1993. So this is eight months later. So there's an eight-month break. Police are called to the home of 20-year-old Shauna Hawk where she lives with her mom. Shauna was studying to be a paralegal and she worked 
at the Taco Bell. Mm. Guess who her supervisor was? Henry. Henry. (laughs) Shauna was a godmother to a little boy that she actually helped raise this little boy from what I could tell. Like she, he stayed with her. She took him to daycare. She picked him up from daycare. Um, Her mom, her name is Dee. She came home and she found Shauna's purse and her coat, but no Shauna and her car wasn't there. So she's like, well, that's super weird. Well, then her boyfriend calls, Shauna's boyfriend calls and is like, where's Shauna? Have you heard from her today? And she's like, no, I haven't. And her purse is here. Why isn't she with you? Like, where is she? Then the daycare calls and said that Shauna never picked up her godson from Mm -hmm. daycare. So the boyfriend comes over and they're like calling everyone they can to figure out where she is. They know something is wrong. And he's like, I'm just going to look around the house and see if I can't find, you know, a sign or something, a note or, you know, whatever about where she is. And he actually finds Shauna in the downstairs bathroom in the bathtub, covered in water, like fully clothed, dead. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So Henry, when he later confesses to this murder, says that he came over to hang out and that she let him in the house. He choked her, raped her strangled her and then put her in the bathtub and turned the water on. Hmm. So there's like no forced entry in the house. The investigators actually said in this house that if they hadn't found a body, they would, there would be no, absolutely no indication that there had been a crime. Like there was no struggle. There was nothing out of place. Nothing. That's interesting. And what's even grosser is because he was her boss. He went to her funeral Hugged her mother, consoled her friends and her coworkers. Like, sick. Yeah, no kidding. Her mom, her name is Dee Sumter, and she is awesome, awesome. And she started a support group along with Shauna's godmother, Judy, in the Charlotte area for families of kids who have been murdered. And it's called Mothers of Murdered Offspring. And it is a great organization. And if you're so inclined, you should look them up. Because Mm. she is a real fierce lady. Yeah. And fights. Fights for these unsolved cases and kids that are murdered. And I love her. Interestingly, Shauna's car was found like eight weeks later in the parking garage at her school. The car was completely wiped clean. So there was absolutely no evidence of anything that had happened in the car, but the seat was moved all the way back, mm. like put, you know, like pushed all the way back far mm-hmm. away from the steering wheel. And Shauna was only five two, so they know that he drove that car, right? Yeah, like they they don't know how or why, or he doesn't tell them. He says that he comes to her house, so they don't know if he stole her car mm-hmm. to like do other things and then left it in the parking deck or what, but. But, like, he he knows this girl. He knew where she went to school because he took the car back there. She let him in the house mm-hmm. because he knew who she was and she knew him. Okay. So then June 22nd, 1993, Henry goes to the apartment of 24-year-old Audrey Spain. Audrey also works with him at Taco Bell. So she had missed work and was reported missing – by coworkers and friends, and she was actually found by maintenance workers in her apartment. 
When they found her, she was laying on her bed, fully clothed, and she had been strangled with a towel and a bra. Oh. So two things. Okay. This is important because this is becomes his thing where he double strangles people, double ligature marks. Okay. So he's not – both things are around their neck. Right. Just, okay. So – and how they describe this is – which is horrific, is that he does not just strangle them one time. Mm. Like he chokes them to the point where they almost are gone and then mm-hmm. lets go and then does it again. So they're, they're like being tortured. He's torturing them. Yes. Yeah. He's torturing them, raping them. And can I, can I ask, are they, I mean, I'm probably jumping ahead, but hello, are they not noticing that several people that are in contact with this guy are I'm glad that you killed? said that, actually. And I want you to keep... Uh, no. And keep in mind, because so these are all women that are in his circle. They're yeah. working at Taco Bell. They're friends of his girlfriend or roommates of his girlfriend. They're, you know, they're people that are in his circle. So, like, this is not... He is really messy, about the yeah. way that he does it. And these are all women that live in East Charlotte in yeah. a 10 mile radius. They're all African American women. They're all, like I said, they're all in his circle. Yeah. So, like the only random one was the first one, I feel like, right? No, I mean, she's even not that random. She didn't work at Taco Bell or at a, okay. um, but no, she's, oh, but not she, but he, yeah, she's still she, friends of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay. So Audrey Spain, he later confesses that he goes over to her house to smoke pot and hang out with her and chokes her, rapes her, strangles her, and then leaves her there. Mm. Again, they find no forced entry. There's no evidence. And her case goes cold. So, and she, oh my gosh, she was like the youngest of six kids, which so am I. Mm. And she was from a small town and left the small town to, like, move to the big city. And then Mm. this is what ends up happening to her, which is just, like, so heartbreaking, right? She's, like, the baby of this family. And, oh, my gosh. Okay. So then August 10th, 1993. So we're just months apart here. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're coming in one right after the other. Police are called to the apartment of 21-year-old Vanessa Jumper. This one's crazy. Uh, Vanessa is a senior in college studying political science. Vanessa was a friend of Henry's older sister. Okay. Vanessa was found fully clothed in her bed, dead, with the apartment on fire. What? So there was a pot of beans on the stove, and the stove was on, like left on. And her apartment was just in a blaze. And the fire department was actually called because of the fire, which is how they found her. Oh, my goodness. So Henry later confesses. This is so gross. He says that he had known her for three years and that she was like a little sister to him. Oh, that's how you but treat little sisters. Very close, yes. Mm-hmm. He went over to hang out with her, choked her, raped her, strangled her, and then poured rum all over her body, put the pot of beans on the stove, disabled the smoke alarms, oh my set goodness. the stove on fire, and then put a cigarette on her, or a match, I think is what it said, a match on her. 
to cover it up. He then stole jewelry from her to pawn it for drugs. Okay. He went to the funeral with her sister. So they found no forced entry. Her death was ruled accidental. This is where it makes me mad. Well, yeah, right? Because she, I mean, I'm sure like her body was burned and there's probably no evidence of everything. I don't think that that can be true. Can you tell whether the smoke alarms have been disabled? I'd imagine if you yes. looked into them. Can yeah. you tell if someone pours rum on a body and then sets a well, fire in another room? Yeah. 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 Like there's not going to be a trail. It's not even going to make sense. Not to mention if you do an autopsy on this person, you're going to be able to tell that they were dead before the fire was started. We've talked mm. about that a lot and a lot right, of Right. Cause she wouldn't have, she'd have a smoke inhalation if she was breathing exactly. during the fire. Yeah. So this girl's not going to have had any smoke on her lungs. She was already gone. Mm. She had already been strangled to death. Yeah, and it's not like this was back in like the 40s that they don't know this stuff yet. This is 1993. Right, yeah. Okay. Which granted, yes, different times. But like we knew this stuff back then. I mean, come on. So the police say that they're starting to get concerned because they're, you know, missing women from the same community in the same area. In Charlotte, there's lots of women who have gone missing who have – They have unsolved murders, right? So at this point, but they find no common pattern, no evidence of a serial killer because, and I I will say this is, you know, okay, so we have Sharon Nance who has, was beaten, right? And thrown on the side of a road. We have Caroline Love who was just missing. She's just gone. They have no body. They don't know where she is. We have Shauna Hawk who was found in a bathtub. Mm. We have Audrey Spain who was, in her bed, strangled with a bra and a towel. And then we have Vanessa Jumper, who was set on fire, and her death's not even ruled a homicide. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, there is no, I mean, there's not a pattern, with mm-hmm. the exception of where these girls are from. As far as the killings go, this and who doesn't they know. Meet. Well, right, right. They, yeah. they didn't look into it far, very far. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is where they went wrong, as they were like, well, they were all killed in different ways. You know, so there's no pattern. So this is awful tragedy that Mm. all of this is happening all at once. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this brings us to September 15th, 1993, where they get a call that Michelle Stinson is missing. She is a 20-year-old girl who works or is friends with. This was not clear. It says she's a friend from Taco Bell. Okay. So she has some connection to Henry at Taco Bell, but I don't know how. I don't know if maybe her friends worked at Taco Bell and she was just there a lot or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's what it said. She's a friend from Taco Bell. So I don't know if that meant she worked there or whatever. But she was a struggling college student and a single mom to two young boys. So a friend goes to her apartment to because he hasn't heard from her in a while and she's not been showing up to school or to work. And her oldest son bangs on the window and says that his mom is asleep on the kitchen floor. Mm. So this friend calls people, gets into the apartment, and they find her on the kitchen floor. And she has been um, strangled with, they think, a belt. There was no, um, she had a ligature mark, but there was no 
nothing around her neck this time. Mm -hmm. And she had actually also been stabbed four times. Oh, my. New, right? She was also raped. And her two sons were there in the apartment with her for like a day. Oh, my goodness. And they were little, little kids, like three and under. Mm. So Henry, when he confesses to her murder, claims that he went to her house to hang out with her. And he chokes her. He rapes her. He strangles her and then stabs her four times and then robs her. And this is all while her children are at home. He wipes down her apartment, wipes down the knife, wipes down her apartment. And during this process, her oldest son actually, this is what he reports, woke up and he was like, oh, go back to bed. Me and your mommy are just playing. So again, they find no forced entry and her case goes cold. So... Where we are now is we are in September of 1993. We have five murdered African-American women in a 16-month period, Hmm. all in the East Charlotte area in a 10-mile radius. And then we have one who is missing. Oh, my gosh. And they think there's no pattern or anything? They're not related. (laughs) That's what they're saying. I mean, and if you do look at the specifics of the cases, I see what they're saying. But Right. But – Still, like, I don't know, like, does this happen often enough that they (laughs) can rule it out that it's not related? Well, I mean, during this time in Charlotte, it's reported that, like, okay, so Charlotte is now a really big city. It's a metropolis now. And it's bigger than Raleigh. And But back then, it was, like, a newly up-and-coming city. So, like, industry had just started to come to the area. Big industry like banking and, like, financial institutes were actually just starting to set up in the early to mid-90s in the Charlotte area. And there was a ton of crime. And Mm. because it had not originally been – and uh, drugs, too, specifically crack cocaine. And because it had not been a very big city before that, the police, they were just really, really dumb. They were – ill-equipped they yeah overwhelmed not overwhelmed they just could it was like it was 10 to 1 Mm -hmm. crime and them so they were you know they just were not prepared I guess and so I would say that yes hearing about crime and stuff like that and them feeling overwhelmed and not having the chance or resources or whatever to get to all of them was probably sadly common right right okay So, yes, there is, you know, that. But I don't care. (laughs) Like, these women were overlooked. Okay. So, things, if you can believe it or not, are about to ramp up for Bad Henry. Ramp up. That's right. But I'm not going to tell you about that today. Mm, I figured. I'm going to ramp it up tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. You're just going to have to uh, wait. (laughs) Stay tuned. Thankfully, I don't have to wait as long as everybody else does. You don't? No. (laughs) Throw that in their face while they're eating their Mexican pizza. Exactly. Go out and get you some Mexican pizza, guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might tomorrow. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, man, you've got me sitting here hanging on, just dangling, waiting to find out how it's going to ramp up after all of that Mm because it's pretty ramped up, in my opinion, Mm. already. But... um. Gosh, well, 
Okay. Looking forward to tomorrow. So make sure y'all tune in tomorrow. Um, and let us know what you think so far. Also, we are going to tomorrow, episode two of Henry. Bad Henry. Bad Henry is going to be our 30th episode, guys. 30. Whoop, whoop. Big 3-0, guys. This is a We're big deal. We're turning 30. We're turning 30. <laughs> Again. <Yay>. Um, <laughs> and we have decided to do another little giveaway. However, we are not going to give you any of those details till tomorrow. So another reason for you to tune in, find out about what we're going to give away. It's so, not a Mexican pizza. Yeah, we, we can promise that. <laughs> it will not be a Mexican pizza. It will not disappoint you like that. Unless you like that, then we might throw it in. But <laughs> anyway, so make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, make sure you go and check out our Facebook, our Instagram our website you can send us a nice little note like we've been receiving um you can message us on instagram if you'd like too we like to hear from you that way uh like us subscribe send us a review or give us a review a little five-star review if you are so inclined and just keep keep listening guys keep listening because we're super (laughs) excited about all of the listens that we are seeing happen. It's amazing. I, I I don't feel like we thought that we would be still going. Maybe. Yeah, we were just <laughs> talking about point. that. <laughs> so thank you for listening and thank you for sticking with us. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.